Hi, Tim. Hi, Ryan. Hello. Hello, you to you, Tim. That's right. And hello to you. No, hello to you, Ryan, and to you, people. People, (laughs) exactly. And to you, people, human beings, raccoons, if you're amongst them, hey, we're, we're happy to have you too. Welcome to Dismembering Horror. Dismembering Horror, episode 110 of Dismembering Horror, the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslin. That's right. We dismember a horror film every week. We talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film. Pew, 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 pew. I'm shooting all those things because you're right on target. Something, you know, we we want to we talk about a movie that we want to see, that we've been wanting to see, that you recommended to us, that we watch, that we've been wanting to revisit. We are on the quest, the hunt, the search for the silver, the gold, the bronze, and everything below and in between. And the red. The red. The blood red. <laughs> Indeed. We have seen <laughs> our fair share of blood red blood in the films that we have watched. And and in today's film that we'll get into, The Babysitter Killer Queen is a now a now franchise very much predicated on the presence of slasher-esque blood. Mm. So, <laughs> did not disappoint in that sense. Um, <laughs> Maybe the, and that, that's the only sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get into it here. Um, but first, Tim, anything else you want to catch us up on to report back about? Anything you want to amend from previous episodes? Oh, God. Uh, I don't know. Probably not. I mean, even if there was, like, I don't want to admit to it. Yeah, I there were things in previous episodes I remember <laughs> thinking, oh, wait, I wanted to clarify that, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> um, I did want to tell you, this was because this seemed really applicable. After watching, I watched both Babysitter films last night. <laughs> I yeah. decided, I'd been wanting to see the first one again. I mean, what, that was two years ago or whatever we watched it? Something like that, yeah. You know, left a good taste in our mouths. I wanted to see it again. And what a, I, I love, and it's just like an hour, 27 minutes. I'm like, I'm going to do it. Watch them both. But I say that because I think it must have been a big influence on my dreams that night, where, which doesn't usually happen too often. But like it, I was dreaming I was in like some kind of horror survival slasher like fantasy movie. Was Samara weaving there? I don't think so. There was Bummer. like s- some kind of like like crew with me of friends. <laughs> I, I don't know if they were actual people I knew. I'd like to think you were there too. I, I can't remember. I feel like yeah. un- unfamiliar faces just like as if it was some random. Anyways, what was so interesting about it, Tim, it was like meta in the sense where 
the way to transition into it was like at a movie studio and like knowing we were there it was as if a movie studio was like an actual literal like portal or something to where the movie world could be real and that was just something like a situation we got ourselves into (laughs) um but then all i really remember uh was that like kind of like that scene in Lord of the Rings or I'm sure plenty of other, or like the scent or something like I knew the creatures were coming, the monsters were coming and it was great. They were like, they end up being like sort of generic demon monster, zombie, you know, things just like, 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 you know, crazy vampire type things like creatures, you know, humanoid types. But I just, all I remember is that like, I could like feel them or hear them coming in the distance and no one really like knew what to do. But I saw in the fireplace that was off this old fireplace, there were all these like pipes and tools and like garden shears and just like all those kinds (laughs) of things. And I started handing them out to everyone because I didn't think they were, um, we were, we needed to prepare and then we fought them. And that's all I remember. (laughs) Wow. Sounds (laughs) Sounds so dreamy. <laughs> it's action packed, yeah. <laughs> um great, great. So thank you um for uh for whatever made that happen. It was cool being in a movie in a movie. In a <laughs> you dream. should be thanking Mick G. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my dreams now, Mick G. Great. Well, okay, I mean let's I wanna get into it. Talk about this twenty twenty new release, baby. Should we watch the trailer? Yeah, dude. All right, here we go. Trailer for The Babysitter, Killer Queen. Growing up is worse than a near-death experience. I can confidently tell you that. Because two years ago, my babysitter and her friends tried to kill me. The worst part is nobody believes me. And now, everybody thinks I'm crazy, but I miss her. You're a weird little dude with a crush on a murderous, fictitious babysitter. We just gotta get you laid. That's your advice? That's what the f*** just came out of my mouth, ain't it? Cole, you're my best friend. You're not crazy. It's this place. We're all going to the lake this weekend. Just come with me. I already took my dad's car. It's just you and me. We're back! Let's go, Cole! Oh, you okay? You look like you've seen a gorgeous black ghost. And there we have it. Tim shaking his head. Well, you just heard the equivalent of him shaking his head. Ugh. God um, damn it. Yeah. God is, fucking damn it. Is are you are you segueing to if you would tell yourself to per our rating system avoid the babysitter killer queen, stream it, rent it or buy it. Uh, you know, it's like just Oh my god. If I were if if well, hmm, actually, <laughs> if this is me telling myself, it I is. think well, I'm very conflicted, and here's why: if I, oh God, 
it's so bad. It's so, 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 so bad. And so that makes me want to say avoid it. And even if I were like telling like a film person, you know, what to do, I would say you don't watch this because it's just it's so bad, like from a from a like film standpoint. But then like to a point we've made before, I think there's value in seeing how bad it is and why. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I have to be a stream just for that. For the sake of that, because like you can, I really believe you could learn a lot from this, like as an exercise, if you took this movie and made a point to, to take the exact same story and most of the major plot points, but actually create an arc and a storyline and a, not a storyline, but like rearranged the the movie into a cohesive thing like i think that'd be a pretty valid exercise because it, it, there's something there and there's source material right to go off of but this is a fucking calamity of a mess <laughs> so wait so what would you tell yourself so i'm a stream of All reluctant right. stream um like a like a swollen prostate stream where it's like really hard to get out but you got to just wait wait for it and let it come dribble out thank you for that vivid description (laughs) i (laughs) i i look forward to your um your diagnosis and suggestion for how to fix it come our what did not work section tim Mm -hmm. series are pretty spot on with that and I'm guessing if you were to, um, if we had that version of the film, it would probably be a buy it because this stupid version of the film, I got rose colored glasses on thanks to watching the first one oh, first. No. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was so, oh my God, when the first one ended, I loved it even more than the first time. And then just, and it did leave me wanting more of like expanding on the world mm-hmm. and just kind of like the supernatural devil worshiping mythos of it all. And, um, well, and a whole lot more that I enjoyed thoroughly on a scene by scene basis. Uh, it being stupid was a plus, not a detractor. Um, <laughs> and uh, for all that, I have to give it the same rating as the first one and say rent it, even though you can just stream it. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't see. I, mean, I think look, you and the the rest of the world. I'm like I, you know, I did some like looking at reviews and stuff. Of course, there are other people like me who just enjoyed it for what it was on Letterboxed, but there are some just like I don't know. This this is website screen rant that's just like anything with a tone of like here's well I guess it's exactly what you're about to do, but it, you know where it's like this just simply uh, did not work. You know I don't know just any kind of that. I don't know. I, I I'm gonna maybe I'm, I'm just gonna push up against a lot of the negative criticism. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. 
It's wrong, but it's fair. (laughs) Didn't work. Melanie's dad. His overall character was a cheesy caricature. And that's not a critique. You can't. That's a judgment. That's and not in and not in the fun way. Well, you know what? I agree he was a cheesy character, but unlike you, person, I thought it was fun. I thought he was, was stupid and fun. That pushing that that he loved his car more than his daughter joke like eight times too many made it funnier every single time because it was so stupid. So, whatever. Yeah. I just... It's one of those time, those movies. That this This has been happening recently a fair amount to me. Where I'll turn something on and I'll be like, this could be great. And it sucks because they they did like, they just didn't do their work. Yeah, no, I, I guess I, I definitely felt it lacking the sort of cohesive punch. Um, yeah. Not even just in expediency, but just in kind of tone and 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 smartness <laughs> well that the first one did having that singular screenwriter brian duffield i think is his name mm-hmm. um that was not involved with this on this one but you had the four screenwriters in this one including mcgee and I, f- I feel like except for i think the kind of these overarching things i'm sure you'll get to like they they carried it like perfectly adequately for a sequel that probably you don't expect too much of but anyways yeah. yeah i mean i think you're always this is not a rule but it, it's when you see four writers on a thing often you know you can you can kind of make a make a guess that that it might be a little bit messier than if you had one or two writers because it's just for it's just you're just got more brains, you know, trying to insert how they see it into something cohesive. And that's tricky. Yeah, it can it can work. But a lot of the time it it, it is, I think, more of a hindrance in the end, though, as a end result film it is all they're equally filtered through mcg into a singular yeah Mc, mcvision yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that's true <laughs> well let's get into to more specifics um well actually no let's get into our summary tim what is, what even happened in this babysitter sequel <sighs> okay cole after the events of the first babysitter movie, <laughs> <laughs> we are reminded that that the babysitter B disappeared from the crime scene after getting a car dropped on her. So nobody believes dear little Cole that any of this happened, which is pretty remarkable. Except for his one um, friend, Melanie. Sort of. She sort of believe, like she sort of says, yeah, sure. But she also is kind. I don't know. There's some vagueness. She's no. She, she is not like. She does for sure believe him. But the reason she sows, you know, doesn't help is because twist. She's in on it. Sure. Well, so the 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 main thrust of it is that Cole you know 
everybody believes that he's crazy. This, sorry, I'm going to not editorialize. (laughs) So this kid who is now a junior in high school is considered the crazy kid because of the strange outcome of the events of the first movie. And subsequently, he remains a outcast and finds out that his parents are going to probably send him to like a psychiatric school instead of his high school. They are. They're planning to take him that very lunch. Right. And so his best friend who lives across the street, who he has a crush on from the first movie. Things were going so well for them at the end of the first movie. That's right. But now she's with some dork, some, <laughs> I mean, he's not, sorry, he's a, he, he's a stereotype of a jock, kind of. He's like a dorky jock. A modern jock character. Yeah. And so she's dating him for some reason, and uh, she convinces Cole to go to, like, Lake Havasu or whatever the fuck they, wherever this is. <laughs> Um, so that he can avoid going to this, having his parents take him to this psychiatric high school. Um, and he says, sure. And then they go. And then very quickly, he finds out that his, this girl, his best friend that he's been pining over forever, uh, is basically doppelganging B from the first movie in terms of like, she is one of the cult of Satan blood oath whatever worshiping cult people and she's made a deal no melody not you too yeah to uh to like carry on because she wants a billion followers on tiktok or something like that (laughs) and then all of the other characters from the previous movie that cole was able to defeat they are resurrected through (gasps) this ceremony and they show up so funny when they showed up. <laughs> I was not expect. I'm glad I did not watch this trailer. And then, yeah, beforehand. and then sort of antics ensue, right? There's a bit of a chase, and there's a new girl in the high school that shows up sort of out of nowhere that becomes an ally to Cole. Phoebe. Phoebe. And then they team up to to try to escape slash defeat the, the cult people, the Satan blood oath people. It's a, all there's, this, this boat there's a, lake cabin yeah, setting yeah. chase. There's sort of some twists, little twisty twists and turns and whatever. And then spoiler alert, at the very end, Cole basically says, go for it. You can take my blood. Like, fuck it. As long as you save Phoebe, because now I'm in love with her after two hours. Um, And so they do. Yeah, well, they had an eventful two hours. Correct. And <laughs> they went down the rabbit hole, you know? Yeah. And they, um, so he gives, they take his blood, they drink his blood, mixes the blood with the thing before the sun comes up. And that means they're going to have life everlasting or something and all, everything they've ever wanted, except that he needed to be a virgin. That was the whole premise of the first movie that his being an in it, the blood of an innocent <laughs> is how you accomplish this, this deal with the devil. But he's not innocent anymore because he got laid with Phoebe, apparently. So we've got some nice underage sex themes going on. That's always fun. 
and uh, and then B, well, B has shown up in the last minute because, Woo! you know, <laughs> she's right? back. They, Samara Weaving, you know, signed some contract and was forced to do this. Come on. <laughs> the first one was great. Like, you wouldn't want to come back and support this? Sure. Uh, and she and... was in it for so little. I, I was that's like, my point. I was so excited when she, I didn't think she was going to be in it at all, man. When she showed up at the end, that was so cool. <laughs> all in their same outfits. Oh, so funny. Right. So, Twisteroo uh, slash major retcon of the character. <laughs> B's character is redeemed because she was formerly the babysitter to Phoebe who died in a car accident and that was the moment that she sold her soul to the devil to to save Phoebe's life and set on this track of worshiping this blood oath uh book of satan and uh now she's back to make amends with Cole for all of the horrors of the first movie and save them both. Indeed. She's been uh, the puppet master orchestrating them. Right. Was that <laughs> convoluted enough? It was long enough. Um, <laughs> great. Well, okay, Tim. Uh, uh, well, that's the section that I'm excited for next. Are you ready for it? I'm always ready. All right. Let's talk about what worked. What worked? It worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> it did all of the sequel things you want, Tim. It was it was bigger. It had the expanded setting. It had like more bad guys pop up, including the old ones, which was incredible. Um, I, yeah, I, I already was laughing about it in the description. Like, I was not expecting them all to come back, let alone looking exactly how they did in their same outfits. That just tickles me right. so hard that it's like, even just in the, the the movie world itself, that, yep, there they are, you know, just as much as like a character as ever. And then even just the thought, like the actors, just like little did I know I'd be wearing the same cheerleader outfit in two movies, or I'd be shirtless these two movies or whatever <laughs> it is. Red tracksuit. Um, look, I'm I'm with you. I love those characters. They crack yeah. me. They crack me up. Me too. I have personal beef with Bella Thorne. That's a, beside the f- the point for the movie. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Sure. My favorite moment with her was when they were when they were first being uh, coming back and being revealed. She comes through the window all clumsily and like trips over the couch. Yeah. Like I really like the character. I dis. I have an issue with the person playing the character, unfortunately. So it, it kind of taints it a little bit. But I really, really love these characters. Me too. Um, more just sequel things. You know, it was doing expanding the the sort of the lore of it was great. You know, bringing back the book and actually, you know, what are getting into more of these spells specifically, like going more full supernatural of people kind of like burning into hellish crisps or getting resurrected from these um, effigies 
Um, and then we also went as far as showing a demon, which was huge. And if they make a third one, I think is a taste of things to come. We're like in yeah. the flashback, she gets, you know, the, the yep. deal with the devil and she makes it. So it's like a full on devil demon nurse. Um, and then, uh, yeah, no, what else? And then just like little, little, uh, you know, things that it did a good job of, I think, giving us like the continuity and just enough touches from the first one without totally mm. redoing it mm-hmm. of like we, okay, we get our kills, our sort of surprise kills. We get our weird little interjection titles, like Nick G hidden. Like, I don't even know what to call those. Um, <laughs> fun, you know, body cam camera angles. We mm-hmm. have it all taking place over one night, even like um, bringing back the nurse slash guidance counselor for the first one. Like, having these same sort of little roles um ex- uh, br- bringing back the dad more ken marino i thought was mm-hmm. great and expanding his role a little more doing something different with uh the other dad the stoner dad was funny um yeah no just as far as like all these elements all these tenants i thought that i'd want from a sequel they did such a good job of uh balancing it all not being too much like the first but really just being what I want from a sequel and opening up the world and giving me just enough from, from what came before. Um, same, you know, being true to the Cole's character, but finding a way to sort of, I thought that was like a great jumping off point, like exactly how he put it, the Terminator two Sarah Connor story. No one believes him. So after <laughs> yeah. this, like, you know, I, uh, self-actualizing at the end of the first one, by the sheer fact of no one believing in him gets sent right back into being an outcast. Um, I thought that was great. Put me right in the story. Um, Should I just keep rambling about all that I loved about it? Get into it. (laughs) Um, I loved, um, I mean, this is the kind of like, like love hate thing, but actually love because that means it was affecting me with, um, you know, after just watching the first one and getting so caught up in his story with um with Melanie and thinking, oh, it's going great with them. So then when she turns out to be evil, that was just like such a perfect fun twist. I, I, what I kept thinking anytime a twist happened, I'm like, yep, I'm sure Tim saw that coming. I'm sure Tim saw that coming. <laughs> but but I, I, I will see things coming if I'm thinking about them in that way. But I was just like having so much fun in the moment to moment way that when she turned out to be evil, I was like, no, of course, but no, still, <laughs> you know, um, they get, I mean, I, I, did you sense that coming at all? Um, no, because I was wanting it not to happen so bad. I'm like, yeah. but they can't, they can't. She's like, so even when they get her. to, even when they get to the lake and she's wearing like exactly the outfit that B had on from the first movie. You I didn't, felt it, but I was still in denial. It? No, I, I felt it. <laughs> but I, again, enough. I was in denial. I was, I think I was maybe hoping to do one of those things like weird think that will be the twist. So it's going right, to do right. a twist on that twist or, yeah. or something like that. Even, um, uh, some of the like the silly stylistic on screen things that are totally stupid, but I had fun with was like when it switched into video game fight mode just out of nowhere. Like, okay, it's a way to do a fight scene, sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite one though was at the beginning of the high school. I love with high school movies, just like just in general and getting sort of like 
the lay of the land and having high schoolers talk about other high schoolers. So mm-hmm. I loved when it did the like pop up on screen, um, the drug statistics of like what <laughs> right. all the kids were on. You yeah, see yeah. like all he did get a good job of coming up with a lot, you know, from whiskey to glue. Like they had, <laughs> had <laughs> right. it all, but that was funny. Um, did you notice the, there's like a, a, a kind of a cool effect that they did. I think like maybe three times where, um, what's her name? Mer- uh, what's Melanie. The- Melanie. Thank you. All I could think of was Matilda, which is <laughs> <laughs> clearly not right. So, like when <laughs> Melanie and and Cole are talking, they are talking and moving in normal speed, but everybody around them is in slow motion. Oh, loved that! Perfect McGee touch. Yeah, it's a cool little effect. Yeah, I don't know what the point of it is, but it's cool. What do you mean? It was to show that when he's talking to her, the world, the world slows, slows down. down. She's yeah. the only yeah. one. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was great. That's fair. Um, my my favorite character, hands down, who probably across both of them. He's cracking me up in the first one. And then the second one, they kept him going. And what they did with his character was so funny. It was Max, the shirtless guy. Uh, yeah, he's awesome. He's... Rob, Robbie Amell, he, he's great. He's so funny. Like, so in the first one, he's cracking me up how, and he, you know, how he, how he sort of taunts Cole when he go, Cole, Coley. But he's essentially always just saying, I'm going to get you. Even if he doesn't actually say that, it's what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and he's also saying like, I believe in you, buddy. Yeah. Like he's kind of likes him too, is the thing. <laughs> yeah. Like as if it's not personal killing him. Right. Right. Um, and then like, even to the point what he does of in the first one, just to sort of, you'll see where I'm going with this, how it expands on the character. I want to get to in the second one I love. But in the first one, when it's like, just an example of what his character is, Max. Rather than when Cole hides up in the the, the tree house, rather than immediately climbing the ladder after Cole, he has to wait to sort of circle him for a bit. I know getting down. I know he has to just have the fun and relishing and tormenting of him. And then he does get up eventually by just climbing up the rope and kind of scaring him. But all, you know, it's his point being his main goal isn't to kill them efficiently or easily. Um, So then I thought that was so perfect when we learned about him. His backstory was that he just wants to kill people. Like it's not, it's, uh, do you remember that when they sort of how we get those flashbacks with um, with B, like the yes. moment that she offers like what each of them want and he's working his like fast food job and right. is like pissed at whoever's ordering. And then so she's so whoever's given the exposition, I forget is like he just wants to kill people or like that's all he wants is to kill people. Oh, I um, kind of missed that that was the core of what he wanted. Yeah. I remember the scene. I It's the scene he's shirtless and there's a customer complaining right yeah i forget if he's shirtless shirtless in that one he, but yeah he is because he's got his name tag on his peck <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> i remember thinking <laughs> that's a funny touch <laughs> um yeah but i was a little distracted because i know the actress who is the complaining customer oh funny i was like oh my god that's the person i know <laughs> it's what happens live in la cool yeah um so 
so that just I, it was just the the way to kind of explain but not ruin why he is the kind of killer he is of just relishing in the fun of it and i thought this one just kept it up what i thought was so funny about it in the first one just brought it further where it's like when he's the, the boat that that was probably one of my favorite scenes was the like the boat fight where he you <laughs> are shaking your head <laughs> where it starts it's so funny with like you know they take off from the deck um uh Cole and um Phoebe and um he he hops on the uh inflatable raft you know what is it called when you're just going oh i don't know a jet like a like a water water ski but like raft water raft yeah i forget what that's that's called i don't know inflatable water raft yeah so but it's just so perfect for his character because again and true to character was so funny before you know rather than just immediately pulling himself up to get to him on the rope he first has like fun on the raft you know he's like whooping and having (laughs) a good time like making a party of it And then their little fight was so great because we had a classic but visceral, um, uh, well-shown boat motor uh, chopping death. Sure, with with some some completely illogical blood splattering. Oh, right. I remember that. Like, I was just like, (laughs) what? How did that even get there on their faces? He's underwater, and yet somehow blood came from underwater out of the water into their faces. Sure. Very. That was that was an especially ridiculous moment. You're right. Even even for this film. (laughs) Um, And another one of my favorite deaths was when um, was when. Yeah, it was uh, it was the cheerleader. yeah allison bella thorne when she jumps down between the canyon after them and gets stuck and it's like they pull her down and her head gets stuck and they you see it stretching and they tear it off (laughs) yeah and there's something fun about these deaths too with them because we know they're established they're already dead right and like they can put up with abuse like when the other one gets run over in the car it's like they can keep running her over and she's fine but it takes a full-on decapitation which was great by the way too the surfboard decapitating her was so much fun i don't know there's just something about that's fun it's kind of puts it more in the vein of zombie killing where you can somehow relish in the violence a little more i don't know it was funny um I thought, yeah, bringing back Ken Marino and using him more, but still not too much. They didn't overuse him, I thought, was great. And um, having him be buddies and have, be like smoking buddies with the other dude and the way the mom kept asking to, did you take pot or like however <laughs> right. she was saying it <laughs> was funny. And it was I was so glad this was going to kill me if it didn't happen at the end. But that I just the Ken Marino, the dad, I just needed him to witness something supernatural, you know, otherwise it would just be so frustrating because I was so on board. Like there, he's trying to, he thought his son was crazy and he's wanted to take him, put him away to the the mental institution school. Like it's, I just needed that him to see it. And it was, it played so well. Like when he was putting it together, it was so satisfying. Oh, it's true. You were telling the truth this whole time. Oh my God. Did you see that? It was great. Um, The 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 two musical um, highlights for me, you know, where they just use these recognizable soundtrack songs. Uh, the usage of White Rabbit was great. Mm-hmm. Jefferson Airplane. Um, 
And that was cool. I liked that with, I really liked that with Phoebe's character of her, her thing that she wanted to be growing up was Alice and just going on adventures in Wonderland. Um, that was cool. Um, her little fort area that she made of like, were those like rock walls or something? I don't know. It was I, I neat. Was, yeah. Hard to, hard to say. Anyway. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out. It was neat. And I like, yeah, it was cool. Usage of white rabbit there. And then of course the end killer queen. You can imagine if you were into the film, um, that was great with killer queen playing with all of their faces melting and all because of uh, Samara Weaving's character B being the literal killer. I don't know. She's not a queen, but she was a killer for sure. And killing the killers. Yeah. Um, and that made me so happy too. watching them back to back and seeing B like um, uh, come around to being to wanting to help and be a good person again. Um, because when the first one, you just kind of want that so bad with like, mm. you know, because you like their relationship so much, hers and Cole's. And then at that way ending, when she's crushed by the car and Cole's, um, you know, Cole says, oh, I, I loved you, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of see, you know, her being affected in some way. Anyways, I was just so glad. And that, that's the moment she specifies, you know, that that moment changed me. Hokey, but I loved it. It made me as satisfying now as a fan of the world in the series that that's the the direction they indeed took it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. Any specific standout moments for you? You're a lot of times better at remembering actual moments. Uh, I mean, I really like what was the oh shit. What was his name? Let's look real quick. The guy in the red jumpsuit. John. Oh, yeah, right, John. I really like John as a character. I think he's really funny. Um, <laughs> when Cole initially tries to get out and John does this whole, like, dance move to block him oh, yeah. thing, I was fucking cracking up. It's so funny and stupid. Right? And, like, his moves, like, him, like... <laughs> <laughs> doing this sort of like weird crouch and shit in front of Cole oh, cracked me up. Me too. Um, I just think in general, he's a really funny dude. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, he's an old vine star kind of guy. He, he, and like YouTube guy, he's, he's got some really funny stuff out there. I've seen quite a bit of it. Um, he's like an expert at the, you know, seven to 15 second long, like, video joke yeah um so yeah I, I really like him i agree with you i liked watching the girl's head get pulled off <laughs> um i love robbie amell who max like all like just him in general as you said um what else uh that yeah that's kind of it i mean Nothing else really tickled me all that much. I mean, I think the first kill is solid. Like it, it's a you. I guess I it pretty well took me by surprise. Like I didn't know it was going to happen right then. Like it was a good, it was a well kind of hidden and placed kill. Because this up until that point, I was like pretty not into the movie. 
And then that happened and it like brought me back to life where I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Let's let's get into it. I was let's so, fucking slash some throats and have blood go all over the place. I was so into the movie from the beginning. Like probably just him getting hit in the head with a ball again. Just like, <laughs> just that, this is where he's still at. It was great. Um, I, I also think the, uh, the school psychologist or psychiatrist nurse guy is really funny. Yeah, he was funny. Um, beyond that, and the like, the cool camera. There's a couple cool camera moves. Uh, oh man, the actress who plays Phoebe is good. She was in the show uh, You, which I don't know if you watched, and I Mm-mm. think I recommended it at one point. Um, and she she's good. Like she's a good actress. I I, I it took me a minute to remember where I had seen her before, but I like her. And I look, I, I like her storyline actually. And I have some thoughts about if I were doing this movie, how I would probably emphasize her character and story either more or in a different way. Um, beyond those things. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty bummed. So I don't think I have any. I don't have anything else that like stuck out and made me laugh. Well, I miss uh this would have been a fun one to watch together. Yeah. I miss uh <laughs> we I maybe do that. I maybe should have done what you did and and rewatched the first one before, you know, right before. It might have it might have helped. Yeah, it it uh as I said it was a it was a fun I was I was like in the world, you know. Yeah, it was great. I was I was pumped to see what happened next, and was, was going to be down for it. <laughs> Probably, um, it's going to be hard to mess up for me. Yeah, but it sounds like they messed up for you, Tim. So, so should we get to that now? Sure. <laughs> All right. Next section. Here we go. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? (laughs) Okay, let's just start with a logic issue. Help, help Help me make this make sense. Because it currently doesn't. Here's the trajectory of B's character. After seeing both movies, she was the babysitter for Phoebe. They got in a car accident. Phoebe's parents died. Phoebe is going to die. B is hurt but not going to die in the Mm -hmm. hospital. Yes. And at that moment when the nurse says that Phoebe might die, the nurse is also Satan. And is basically saying, if you want to save her life, you need to sell your soul to me. Correct? Am I, am I on board right now? Yes. Great. B compassionately and selflessly agrees to that. That is a she has she has compassion for the life of Phoebe. That's a very big character aspect. The next thing that happens is she becomes the babysitter for Cole. 
because they've she was his babysitter for a while. Presumably, yeah. Right. At what point does she become an asshole? And why? Right? Like the whole twist of the first movie is that she is this awesome babysitter who secretly wants to have everything through this Satan deal and book. And she betrays the person she's protecting, Cole, for selfish gain. Correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then through the course of that movie, her character arc is to learn that through Cole's love for her, she should rethink being an asshole. Mm-hmm. Great. Then <laughs> she devises a plan to resurrect all of them by convincing each of these other characters of what they want, that they can have this thing, this pact with the devil, and they'll get everything they've ever dreamed for. But she secretly is doing that in the hopes if she sets it up right, Phoebe and Cole will get together. Cole will cease to be innocent. They'll not know that. They'll drink his blood and they'll die for that. And then she's going to die as well because she's done horrible things in the past. Yes. Those are those things are out of order. She went from being altruistic to selfish to altruistic again. It doesn't make sense. Why did she turn selfish in the first movie if she was previously saving Phoebe's life, being altruistic? Wasn't it something to do with her? She It was more that she was just, um, it was part of her pact with the devil. I mean, you tell me, was it? Because, like, what's the end game then, right? Like, if if the deal with the devil after sh- that she makes with Phoebe is save Phoebe's life and you get my life. Yeah. Right? Or then <laughs> how how do how how does the the blood oath of the innocent and getting everything I, everything you want, Satan cult group, play into her character state of altruism at that point it's not like a gun's being held to her head she's orchestrating that whole deal yeah in the first movie those things are are too incongruous to me so when this movie happens and they're retconning her to be this altruistic person before the first movie i'm just it doesn't work for me it's just it's too convoluted and too kind of like well Everybody really likes Samara Weaving and we don't want to like have her be the bad guy again. So let's let's retcon it so that she's actually a good person and then redeemable. And I just it's so messy to me. It just feels so like whatever, though, when you like look at like (laughs) like 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 um, franchises, like trying to follow the continuity between any of the Friday the 13th, like. And, yeah, and, but and like it's those like, movies don't have a story. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this movie, 
the first movie has a story. I I think I don't know. I just don't with with franchises like this. Yeah, it's it's for me. It's about having fun where there is continuity. Right, <laughs> but then, imagine how good of a movie it would be if they were able to make those things work. Yeah, sure. The first be, one is good. Yeah, it'd be it'd be. It definitely has better. an arc. You leave her with this resulting character thing. Yeah. Here's what. Here's how I think you could maybe f- have fixed it. She disappears after the first movie, right? Two years have gone by. Yeah. Change that first of all, because Cole looks like about seven years have go- gone by. I think that was supposed to be like a weird non-joke where it was like he was in the seventh grade in the first one but then after two years he's a junior in high school like it's 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 yeah it's it's all it's intentionally kind of just muddled right but take advantage of that yeah, yeah yeah say that five years have gone by because he looks significantly older right he's taller and matured he's gone through puberty all of those things take advantage of that say it's five years later who gives a fuck and in those five years, be, be who obviously escaped from the end of the first movie. <laughs> That's when she became the babysitter of Phoebe. Yeah. And she's now trying to redeem herself and failed again yeah. and had to make another deal with the devil and you and that's tragic, right? Because you would go, oh, shit, she tried and now she failed and now she has to go back to the way she was. You know, that's actually what I thought it was until I was kind of understanding the flashbacks and like right. clearly associating it with a little girl that, right. that was supposed to be Phoebe. But like, like they when, fucked up when we first learned that it was the babysitter. I just assumed that it was like she was in. Yeah, that's that. That was more what had happened. Yeah. So there, you know. If that were true, that would that would work. The order of events would then work because, you know, B went into hiding. She became the babysitter of this person who lives in a cabin in the fucking middle of nowhere. So that that works. That totally makes sense. Right. And then subsequently has this accident and has to go back to her evil ways, so to speak, to save Phoebe. Like she's be, she's maintaining the altruistic lesson that she learned from the first movie and following through with consequence, which is she has to sell her soul to the devil again. That's bad. So when she redeems herself in this movie, we would be like, we'd be thrilled, right? Because you could set it up that, that she just re- like we seen her revert without knowing why she reverted. Yeah. And that helps us go, oh, shit. Like, damn it. I wanted her to be good so that when she end up ends up being good, we go, yay, she ended up being good. It's not bad. Great. Yay. We love her. And then she can uh, drink the blood and sacrifice herself justifiably because she's done awful things. That's right. They fucked up. They reordered it into a way that made it not work. So that's my that's probably my biggest issue with the just the overall story. Um, everything else is just nuanced shit that I'm just like, that sucks. And it's dumb. And it's like <laughs> annoying. Like, <laughs> like Melanie's Melody, whatever the fuck her name is, her boyfriend, Jim, that first of all, that character makes no sense. He's the actor is looks like he's 30. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> 
it's just there's a there's I didn't notice that. One of the things that really bothers me, there's a very fine line between camp humor and missing the fucking target camp humor where you are trying to be campy in a bad way. So, for example, when they're talking about how all of the uh, every student in the high school is on some sort of form of drugs or whatever, and they show the girl who can't step on the cracks, that girl, that actress has been told to overact the I can't step on cracks to a cartoonish level. And that doesn't work. It, it even though this movie is stylized and whatever, that's fine. I like stylize it up. I'm I'm cool with that. But like, your actors can't overact within that. It's a fine line, right? It's too it's too on the nose cartoonish when it should just be a person not stepping on the cracks. That's enough. She doesn't have to do this whole, like, like crawly balancing act, like, oh, I'm acting because I can't step on the cracks, but... Like, it's it's just dumb, and it loses me. It's the same thing with Jim, the, the boyfriend, like, bending, uh, like, one of those workout bars in class. Like, no, no, huh? it's too much. It's too cartoonish over the top, and it's... <laughs> It to me, it's really distracting. Even Cole's outfit, this three-piece fucking suit, <laughs> like corduroy suit, it's too much. Nobody does that, like right. It's it's. I get it. You want to make it stylized and you want to heighten things, but there is a tipping point when it just for me turns into a cartoon that is unjustified. Right? It doesn't help the story. It doesn't actually define the characters more. It it makes them too car- cartoonish and caricatures, and they shouldn't be. Otherwise, we like if they are, we don't like them anymore. Like I did not like Cole in this movie. At all. I was like, he's just annoying. I liked Phoebe. I would much rather have been... To me, the way you do this movie, or one other very specific way you can do this movie that would work for me, is you make it... The fish. The first movie is a fish out of water, right? Cole is entering into a world that he doesn't know. Great. Second movie, Phoebe entering into a world she doesn't know... And getting pulled in by this peculiar kid who nobody likes. It's the, it's going to be the one person that she's drawn to because she's the outsider. He's the outcast. They have something in common. They have common ground to, to meet up on, which is them against all of the bullshit in high school. That's a story I can get on board with really, really fast, right? Like an us against the world story is... A really good foundation, especially for this, because the next level of us against the world is us against hell. And Cole gets to be the person who helps Phoebe through this new world because of his experiences. And because he's an unreliable sort of narrator, so to speak, we know that people don't believe him. We know that he's potentially psychotic. Emphasize our objective viewpoint of his potential psychosis through Phoebe, right? She should always be going, I probably shouldn't be trusting this dude because he's probably psychotic. And then as the chips start to fall, it 
builds the bond between them even further because she's like, oh, I can trust him. But you fuck with that. You have times where he actually should go a little crazy so that she could be like, man, I really got myself into the fucking worst situation. Like this is none of this is good. Yeah. If we do that, we accomplish a couple things. We get a new movie, right? We get the movie through a new set of eyes. That's really important, but it's the same world and it's an expanded version of that same world, the thing that we really love about the first movie. And you get all of that together and you get Cole, but you get to sympathize with Cole in a different way. He's no longer the protagonist that we're following along and being like, oh, I'm relating to him because I'm seeing the world through his eyes. He's now an unreliable ally that we sympathize with because we go, yeah, no shit he would be like this after the events of the first one. Can we, the audience, trust him? And then when we get catharsis through B showing up, and she should have shown up earlier, by the way, I think that's just a result of how much time on set Samara Weaving was Wait, willing to give. why should she have shown up earlier? I think she should show up for the whole third act. It helps establish the relationship between Phoebe and her and establishes her as a if she comes in as a full force bad guy in the third act like big surprise here's B both Cole and Phoebe know her she's full force evil or seems to be full force evil she's playing that role full on we think that she it's tragic we go oh fuck she really has turned she she let go of her altruism that we established through rearranging the things like the storyline stuff. If she shows up and is full on evil and like reprehensible and like ignoring the pleas of Phoebe and Cole, we it's tragic to us because we see them heartbroken so that when she follows through with everything, convinces the other cast of, of people to to torture and and uh you know get their way with Cole and everything. That's the worst case scenario. Once it the turn happens of her having orchestrated all of this, it's way more effective. We she it's a wink, right? Like she we get to see them go, oh thank God she's not reprehensible. Yeah. That this was all for a reason. And Without it being organized that way, the result for me was a bunch of and then scenes rather than therefore scenes. And I just didn't care. I stopped caring after, I don't know, basically after the new character or the old characters show up. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, cool. That's fun. And then it's just an and then, and then, and then, and then, and then. Death, death, chase. Stop and talk about it. There's a lot of talk in the the plot in this movie. Like two people are on the run from killers and they stop and talk about it. And I'm just like, you can't do that. Not in this movie. Make it fun. Make it exciting. They have to be, they're on the, you want to, you want to talk exposition? Be my guest. Do it while you're running. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's a that's a budget limitation. I get it. No worries. Like, whatever. You got to do what you got to do from a filmmaking standpoint. But from a story standpoint, 
you better fucking make it interesting. Make make us feel like we're in trouble all the time. You've got seven people chasing you. Or, you know, it just works out that based on the strength of the character in the first one, you're just so into it that you're ex- <laughs> like listening closely to everything they have to say. <laughs> True. Now, there's one other thing. So in my in my sort of assessment, my version, the big the big fucking real conflict is the conflict between the new B and the old B. Right. You mean, we should, um, you mean B and Melanie? Yes. We should see, they don't really do it. We should see Melanie sort of be like, okay, this bitch is back. And yeah, she's been orchestrating it, but I'm the new, I'm the new killer queen. Yeah. Like, have I'm a bit new... of a, a versus thing going on there. Right. And you can lay the, you can lay the groundwork for that too. That actually would have been much better usage of uh, the video game fight. Correct, which I hated. <laughs> I knew you did. Look, there's two there's two paths you can go with a video game fight. One of them doesn't work. It's the same one that's in like the beach. You remember that movie, The Beach? Uh-huh. It's campy and dumb and doesn't work. And the other is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Right? That works. They middled both of those things. And it just to me was dumb. Like stylistically, I mean, I, visually dumb. I uh, I like the I like the concept. Yeah, I I uh, I liked I like dumb things sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> now, having said all of that, there's other things, other elements that like almost worked, but I think just fell short. Like Ken, the the father son dynamic never quite hit. It it never pulled on the heartstrings in the way that I think it was meant to, mm-hmm. and I think it could have been worked better. But you you make Ken Marina out to be this kind of dumbass who's like smoking weed and like it just never quite gets there. It also, I think, hurts to have Melanie's dad be so much of a joke. Like every joke is a one one top layer joke for him. It's all about is, you know, is my car okay? (laughs) They if you're going to keep doing that joke. You have to evolve the joke. You have to continue to make the joke expand for us to go, okay, no, he is actually talking about his daughter this time. Oh, no, he's not. And it's just the same joke over and over again. So it doesn't, it, it's like, that's a, that's a, you're breaking a major rule of joke telling in the first place, right? Like if you're going to do it, do it in threes, have them each one be, you know, progressive. I like that it wasn't, it didn't adhere to the rule of threes. I like that it just like, they just went, they just kept going and going and going. And that's all yeah. that was to his character. I thought it was just, I like, I like that it was stupid. I don't know what to say. That's this fair. Is, I this mean... is coming off a string, Tim. I should maybe give a little more context for where I'm at watching this. <laughs> okay. Um, let me tell you some movies that I've been watching recently. And enjoying Mr. Deeds. Yikes. The Ridiculous Six. Oh, no. Grandma's Boy. Come on, dude. What are you Jack doing? Jack and Jill. Stop it. Why? <laughs> Why are you watching these? And The Wrong Missy and The Do-Over. Because they're stupid. Because. But do you yeah. like that? 
Yes, I do. Oh, it's man. like so refreshing to have something that's just like, I'm doing, I'm just, that's, we're doing it because it makes us laugh and not complicating it more than that. Like, yeah, you could make something way better out of it. And I probably would like it way better, <laughs> of right. course. But like, but sometimes it's nice just to not even to tune into something that's just not even on that level and just get on board with it, you know? I do. I do know and I agree. But there is a line where it just becomes, it feels like it's half-assed. Like, here, for example, Not Another Teen Movie is all dumb, but it is brilliantly dumb. Right. Like they're they're weaving in uh, references and jokes and like parody in a brilliant, brilliant way. The outcome is a really, really funny, but actually compelling story. At the end, and you're left going, that was super dumb, but super pleasing. And this is just super dumb to me. Like it never, it never like rises to the pleasing part because there's just incongruity or there are things like blood coming out of the water, like a guy dying underwater shoots blood outside of the water. It's like, I'm just like, what are, what the fuck? Yeah. Like that's you, if you want them to have fucking blood on their faces, do something like like have the motor fucking just you know it's uh, those motors boat motors are on a hinge have them grab it or have it flip up and then you can have the blood like that's the simplest thing don't don't insult us by doing the the basic just like for the sake of the blood in the face version it pisses me off i'm like now i don't now i'm being insulted by the filmmakers i don't want to watch this movie anymore yeah like, I love dumb shit, but that's not even dumb. That's just stupidly insulting. <laughs> that's not even dumb. It's not even dumb. That's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a difference. So, you know, all in all, I, I was <sighs> frustrated, to say the least. I was very frustrated. I've probably just been yelling so loud that this all of my yelling is blowing out the microphone. <laughs> Um, just sometimes for me, it's refreshing to enjoy something. I get it. That doesn't even, that, that just can't even, you know, but, but I just think your, your enjoyment, there's a, you can do all of the things I'm talking about and still have a really enjoyable, dumb movie. Yeah. And it speaks to, for me, it speaks to probably more issues with the industry than anything else right um it's it's kind of interesting how there's a i i don't know how i waver on this but there's kind of maybe i'm you know there's like there's critique there there's critiquing the movie and then reviewing your experience of watching the movie. Sure. And that's what I'm more doing here, the latter. Well, and I think that that's a big difference between you and I and how we view movies. We've talked about this before because I can't turn off the critique while I'm watching 
most of the time. If if that happens, then I know that that's a fucking amazing movie. No, see, no, see, absolutely. I'm I am absolutely the same way. But it's just for like when I you know get that first. I'm down with this movie, you know, from him getting hit with the ball in the head still, then, then I don't know. It's just something, you know, it does. I don't know. It just depends on what it is. I don't know. Personal taste, <laughs> just time and yeah, place, yeah. time and place, setting, all that. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm with you. The only other thing that didn't work for me that just, I mean, there's obviously little things here and there that are not really worth talking about. Um, but using the dad whose car got crashed through the house in the first one and having a new car, we never, we never get any payoff with the new, the new car that could possibly get crashed. And that to me is just a hugely missed opportunity for perfect anticipation jokes. Oh, you know what? I, I do remember thinking, oh, this has to happen, and I'm looking forward to it. You're right. It's never happened. Because remember in, like, um, Hot Tub Time Machine, <laughs> where they they know there's a guy who got his arm chopped off, like he's missing an arm. Yeah. And when they go back in time, he has an arm, and we spend the whole movie, anytime he's around, with there being the threat of how his arm got cut off. Mm-hmm. And it, that works that's the memorable thing, the like running joke of the movie that that is super, super solid. You had this opportunity to do that with that car. Right, right, right. In no, some I, I, way or another. I was looking forward to that. It just never happened. Yeah, and he just becomes a non-character, right? He just sort of, he's there, then he's not there. Right. I mean, he gets his arms cut off by his daughter. Right. Cool. But like, so what? Mm hmm. Like he should he should get run over by the car. Yeah, it could have like, been <laughs> something could have caught run over by the car. It could have been funny if like could have been good for his character if he thought he was saving the day, but he was too late. So like the car comes crashing down after they're all defeated already <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What if he thinks he's saving the day by driving the car into the like into the Satan yeah, uh, exactly. like circle? <laughs> he's like, I'm coming, baby. He's high. That'd be great. And they've been long gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, we just came up with that in 10 seconds. Yeah. Well, they should have had uh, five or six screenwriters. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's just it. At the end of the day, it's to me, it's a lot of kind of it almost feels lazy. There are times when it feels a little insulting and the strength of the first movie and the strength of the characters for me just wasn't enough to overcome the, you know, inadequacy of the writing. And I guess you could say and the directing, too. Well, I really hope Mick G and crew have the opportunity to prove themselves again with a third yeah, one. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. If the, you said your piece, should we move on to things of note? My pieces. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should. Here we go. Things of note. Things of note. <laughs> this should be interesting. 
talking about, you know, um, if it would have been fun to watch this together. Um, one of the first things in the movie, Tim, you remember he's pouring a big old glass of milk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're always... I was super excited when that turned to blood. Yeah, that it turns to blood. It was great. Well, I don't know. That's something that's a kind of a running thing I've realized in our show is talking about. Oh, milk. Tim's Tim yeah. agree. It's gross. I was much, I'd much rather drink a glass of blood than a glass of milk, personally. (laughs) (laughs) Or a goblet of blood. Mm. Um, So, no, that just could have been fun. I thought it was funny if we were watching it together, start out with a nice, gross glass of milk. Um, Yeah, I would just go, oh, God. Yeah. Um, Milk. The other big uh, reference. The other big reference, in addition to milk, um, <laughs> the, a reference I they referenced my favorite film, Tim. Uh, she made um, Melanie. No, no, not Melanie. Phoebe made a Pee Wee's Big Adventure reference when stepping out of the truck. I heard it. And, you know, I got to say, who's that for? Right, all the references like the eight six seven five three zero nine and all that. Yeah, stuff. I, there were a bunch of times when I was like, "Cool, like I get it." Uh nobody like a whole other generation of people who are more likely to be watching this won't. And then I, there's here, there's also no payoff to I it. I don't so know I'm like, why. Wait, payoff? There doesn't have to be payoff. It's just these I, are the characters. Well, I know, but like you 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 throw it, you slide it in there, but then it's like, but for what? That was ingrained there because Cole is also a movie dork who knows old movies, which includes 80s movies and references. So that was like- Is that a, a big thing in the first movie? Um, they're watching like an old black and white him That's and right. movie That's together. That's right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So he really perks up about this new girl when she knows like like dated movie references. So what I've gathered, Tim, to kind of answer your question, like who is this for- because it does feel where it's like, wait, is it just like this is the way of like older writers just kind of like putting their own voices in young people that doesn't match up at all? So this is just, I think, what it was, what I've consumed in other media. I have no idea if Gen Z and Blow is actually like this or whatever. Um, but that, that you, you know, in the same way that the Beethoven and Beatles are forever and will always have their fans that bless bless my favorite movie that that can include you know Wee's a big adventure too and that there do still exist high school now high school movie fans who might still love mm-hmm. 80s movies music etc right so i right. do i like it as this sort of like this like handshake across generations in a way where where like how it works you know with um you know, more more the difference for our generation where it's like I can be talking from, you know, to to a boomer um, and they get really excited that, you know, I talk about Hendrix in a way. It's like sure. it's exactly the same thing as that. Yeah, I guess my only it just in, in particular with the large Marge one, <laughs> she says it to the truck driver. So it's it's not for anybody in the movie. It's not even for we don't even know who the truck driver is. I mean we we infer through this line. No, it's it's I think But who is she telling the large marsh? <laughs> like who is she reassuring? You it's, know what I mean? You're it's, overthinking. It's, so, it's just it's, it's just, so odd. It's just how would this character say bye 
she's an mo- old movie geek and speaks in references. Yeah. That's that's I don't think it was more complicated than that. <laughs> Look, I get I get it. I I get it, but I think that having tr- having written jokes like that in a screenplay before what ultimately seems to be the consensus when you present that is it can't it can't live by itself. Like if you're going to obscurely reference something that a lot of the audience might not get, you need the other character who hangs a lantern. You know, I agree. That's something that does normally bother me is this kind of like, cut down on the jokes, guys. Cut down on the references, like whatever. Just something about this movie, I think it's like it's like snippiness. Mm-hmm. It, just, it, just, it just feels right. It's not, yeah, it's not realistic, and it would normally well, yeah. bug me in another movie. But yeah. like... I think there are, you know, know. there are obviously actors in the movie who excel at that kind of execution. Yeah. And then there's two or three in the movie that really don't. And that is hard. It's hard. (laughs) We're just rehashing our other sections now. I don't want to. I feel like it's actually kind of shitty, even though I've done it in the past, to be like, this actor sucks. Mm-hmm. And I just I want to resist doing that, but I think that it's it's not necessarily the actor's fault. It's like the, you, the director needs to get a good performance out of them, and I think sometimes Mick G doesn't actually know where he wants to live, and that yeah. becomes this dilemma of like caricature, cartoon, actual character using the actor's strengths not using the actor's strengths like directing them to, for result or just letting them do their thing and, and that's you know this was just a, a thing you wanted to note yeah because I'm not I don't want to sit here and be like it's not <sighs> sing I don't want to single out anybody in particular you know what i mean like even mcg <laughs> mcg <laughs> right because also you know that there are you you are often handcuffed look sometimes you cannot get the performance you want out of an actor yeah you just you just see it differently and you either have to accommodate them or figure out a creative solution or just cut it from the movie. Like, yeah. Anyway. Did you have any other things of note? Um, not really. I mean, you know, I think it is interesting how many people in this film are formerly internet famous. Like, there, there are a lot of... And it, it's referenced in the movie, too. But, like, you know... Bella Thorne is sort of notorious for some stuff in in the internet world. Like, uh, she came from Disney Channel originally, but like she's made a career out of out of more like YouTube and maybe not YouTube particular, but like internet type stuff. Uh, same with the guy who played John. Um, you know, I think there's two other people that are like not TikTok, but like former Vine type people. And so they're really like, I think 
somewhere along the line, the decision was made, like, who do we want to cast in this movie for this particular audience? Let's turn to the quote unquote influencer realm for that. And I think that some of those people are super talented. And I think some of them aren't. And just because an influencer is an influencer does not actually equate to being a good actor in film. It can, but they're not. Uh, what would you call that? They're they're not a. It's not a given. Yeah. Um, and so it's. I think for me, it's an interesting and noteworthy thing to sort of explore that reality in in our current state of of like the industry of what are you trying to accomplish when you cast somebody who is not of the film realm, but you're trying to cash in on their cachet. <laughs> I just made that up. So I think it's an interesting topic of debate. Yeah. I, I, because it's a new thing, like influencers or whatever, I think you have to be personally, be careful, but you can benefit from it for sure. You know, you get somebody who's got, you know, 20 million followers. That's a base of, of people who are probably going to watch your movie. Yeah. But if that person is not good at, being in films because that's its own medium that might hurt the the overall movie so it's a really tricky thing and i think sometimes the powers that be are too willing to eschew the benefit of the movie for the sake of the benefit of this built supposed built-in audience totally right rather than casting the person best for the part yeah cast the person with more followers yeah followers um <laughs> yeah i we already kind of alluded to it but there you know i said when the third one comes around that it's not confirmed sadly if this one was this, as big as a hit as i was hoping it would be it probably would be but uh mick g does have at least something in mind i don't know how developed it is but at least some kind of you know would like to make it a trilogy kind of thing you know what I should do? I should fucking write. I should write a third one do the on spec. spec yeah. And just be like, just do this. Just take it, McGee. <laughs> take give me how much do you think I could get for a script? Couple twenty grand. Mm-hmm. Think I could get twenty grand? Uh I, I feel I like actually... that should be jump change for them, which is yes. I'd say you know, yeah, strike that deal. Because I feel like nowadays, I don't know where this is so tangential because it's speculative. But like nowadays, I feel like, you know, back in the day, you you heard the stories of people who sold their script for a million dollars. I don't feel like that happens anymore because the models have all changed. Yeah. Right. Like Netflix isn't spending a million dollars on a script. The movies at that budget level are so rarely original scripts, too. Right. Which is why that's interesting. So write something to a pre-existing franchise like a spec yeah. script for a murphy brown you know yeah anyway <laughs> something to contemplate i guess um hey knock it out <laughs> um cool all right well tim if that's it for things of note and the babysitter killer queen we gotta well we gotta get some recommendations out of the way and then we'll announce next week's episode oh man what do you got i got Another fun shutter slasher find from the 80s. 
And I say another because this was like very on par with the kind of, I, I think they're my favorite kind of slashers now. And I want to find more that are like them. Do you remember I recommended prom hello mary lou prom night two <laughs> yes it's great yes. this is just another wacko wackadoo one that just it and it it like it revels in its 80s-ness it's like it's 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 super weird i love it it's called slumber party massacre two um and i i, I had tons of fun I with it i think that i've watched slumber party massacre one this is uh they're very I'm different sure I, i'm pretty sure i have so were, yeah that's interesting they really uh take it and run with this one i'll put it that way anyway it's available on shutter i had a hoot and a half so check out slumber party massacre 2 87 cool um so for the last basically two weeks i have been on the road um and so I really haven't watched anything. But having said that, uh, part of why I went on the road is because I wanted to go see a bunch of national parks. And I don't think I recommended this before. I hope I didn't. A national <laughs> park? This would be your first national park <laughs> that, that you recommended. Well, so I went to... Um, I think I went to five different parks, if that, I think that's right. Um, but one in particular that I'd never been to is called the uh, Black Canyon of the Gunnison, which is in kind of western central Colorado. Wait, what is that word? Gunnison? Yeah, the Gunnison. I believe it's Gunnison River. And so the Black Canyon of the Gunnison River. Is, Got it. But it's just called Black Canyon of the Gunnison. Um. But assuming I haven't, um, it's amazing. I mean, like we come over this ridge and suddenly there is like a, I don't even know. It's a couple thousand foot just sheer drop. And it's it's like, you know, how the Grand Canyon is kind of like gradual. It's not like just a, a sheer rock face. I mean, there are places in it that have that. But like as a whole, it's kind of a more gradual canyon. And it's really beautiful because you see all these layers. This This canyon is no joke. I mean, it's just two walls like surrounding a river, like straight up and down. It is super freaky, so beautiful. We were there at sunset. It's crazy. And, you know, I think that a lot of people may just not realize how many crazy geographic things exist in this country. Like, it's pretty wild. Granted, the country's big, but like, Colorado and Utah alone are just constant, crazy geographic things. Like we went to Arches National National Park and we went to Zion National Park. And like there's just shit there that you would you fucking blow your mind. You stand under these like cliff walls or these giant rock formations or whatever. And it's quite incredible and humbling and, and beautiful to look at. So having said all that, I had a really nice trip. It was great. I would like to recommend Dead, the Ken Burns National Parks um, docuseries. Oh, I thought you really were recommending that Gunnison whatever. <laughs> I mean, by proxy, yes, I am. <laughs> Go there if you can. All right. Ken Burns National Parks.
Yeah, Ken Burns National Parks. I believe it's on Amazon. I, I It might be on Netflix too, but I, I think I was watching it on Amazon. And look, it's Ken Burns. There's going to be sections of it that are kind of sloggy and it's just droning along about like the Waterworks Reformation Bill of 1875 or whatever the fuck. You yep. got to get through that for the visuals and for just the knowledge of what's out there because, man, there is some amazing stuff out in the U.S. Yeah, they all have their story. That is neat to remember. Yeah, so that's that's it. Not scary. Although, standing on that the top of that cliff was fucking scary. Yeah, yeah, forget that. Um, <laughs> forget well, Tim, it. Well, Tim, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we continue our story of dismembering horror here? Of course we should. Because if you remember, for last October, we covered the psycho series psychos one through four boy do i remember (laughs) indeed and um we hope you listening remembered so we decided to do another famous franchise this october starting with next week it's a big one i'm gonna give you a hint all right boom chip boom with the red right hand. He's a ghost. He's a round. He's a round. He's a lover. He's an insect. A seemingly sound. He's tall, handsome man. Am I supposed to get the red right hand? Get that? What the? Is that the song from the series? Yes. Oh my god. You recognize it right away, right? Uh, Considering that it's probably been 20 years since I saw this movie or any of these movies. Whoa. Well, Tim, you're in a treat because you guessed it right per my word for word reenactment. (laughs) We are watching the Scream series. Scream, Scream 2, Scream 3, and Scream 4. Mm. which I believe Exciting. you have not seen Scream 4, Tim. Uh, I don't think so. Great, great. I well, barely remember Scream 3. I don't, I know I've seen two. Don't remember that. Wow. I've a- seen one. I actually, I saw one in 1997 in March, and it was a first date with my first real girlfriend. I hope it was it, a double date. I hope it brings you right back. Yeah. And um, yeah. And then we went and shot pool. Double cool. date. Movie and pool. <laughs> Great. Scream. What yeah. a world. See I the know. original Scream. <laughs> and we kind of wanted to get it in since there is a non, the first non-Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson Scream, Scream 5 is uh, announced. Right. So right. we thought we thought it'd be nice to sort of preserve this uh you know preserve this legacy for how it is now and sort of look at it in the sort of last context that we can as a quadrilogy with uh, yeah. consistent filmmakers so we're going to go in order yeah i mean yeah right <laughs> why wouldn't we i think we should right <laughs> yeah well we went kind of we didn't we go backwards in the so- oh no i guess we did like no we did cuz we thought we'd build up to the big finish cycle yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. Different case here, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, this this makes more sense. We go one, two, three, four. Yeah, that's cool. Great. 
All right. Well, I'm very excited. I hope you all are excited. Tim, I hope you're excited. Very. And aside from that, well, you can find us at uh, wherever you found us. And our big <laughs> ask, you should uh, tell a friend about our show if you enjoyed it. Yeah, do that. Do that. And you Great. can find us, you know, on the interwebs, uh, social media stuff. You know where. I'm not even going to say it. I'll say it. You can find us on Twitter at DisHorrorPod <laughs> and Instagram at Dismembering Horror. Yep. Great. Well, hey, everyone. We do mean it. Thank you so very much for being here. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>